Welcome to Lush Ladies Podcast, where we talk about historical women while sipping on hard beverages. Sit back, drink up, and get ready to be educated, son. I'm Kim. I'm Emmy. And we're the Lush Ladies. Well, well, the Frig, yeah. ladies we're talking about are Lush. No, Since but we're I, Lush, I, too. Yeah, so are we, so it's fine. So, what's this podcast about? Well, one starry night, my good friend Emmy texted me about doing a podcast. Everything fell into place, and we watch a lot of drunk history on, on, the, the, on the reg. But we wanted to do something unique. So what better theme was it than to pick female history tipsy? <laughs> and that, by the way, is where the word lush comes into play, so quit making fun of us. Thanks. Also, lush, um, tipsy, double play on words. It means tipsy, drunk, whatever, but also like sexy, which um, mm-hmm. thank God you can't see our faces, but we are. And <laughs> most of the women that we're talking about are probably quite beautiful as well. Yeah. And some of the women that we're talking about are probably hideous, but you'll never fucking know. Unless you go to our uh, blog at www.lushladiespod.com. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're here to talk about some of the most incredible women of history, but also the most horrifying, ranging from women thousands of years ago to women five to ten years ago. Because by definition, history is the study of anything in the past, and every second that goes by is the past. Fuck. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> I put in my notes to talk about how I wanted to be a historian. Yeah. When I graduated. And that that's it. I wanted to be a historian, but I switched it up. But now I'm back at this. So we're technically like historians. We're right where we meant we were meant to be. We're I right know, where I feel we were like meant to be. This is where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Emmy and I have been best friends for a very long time. We met in middle school. Frick, yeah, we did. We went through but the you didn't best like of times me at first. and the worst of times. You said you didn't like me at first. No, I didn't. It was only because you were guilty by association. Yeah, but what we do know is that sometimes... You just want to crash course on topics, and mm. sometimes you need the highlights and the basics. I know I do. Mm-hmm. I need something kind of straight to the point. I can't be sitting there and, like, getting 30 pages of... That's true. Well, actually, I can, but sometimes I can't. So, we're just trying to have fun with it because history is fun. So, <laughs> grab a glass of scotch or ice your coffee because we have a show for you. Sit back. Drink up and be ready to be educated, son. Son. All All right. right. So, um, we're disclosing now that some episodes may advise viewer discretion due to controversial topics. We are not professional historians, and any information we talk about may be inaccurate. However, we are open to critiquing, and there are topics we get wrong. You may discuss it with us at our email, lushladiespod at gmail.com. However, our goal is to be as professional and accurate as possible, in a fun way. Think of us as women's history for dummies. Nailed it. 
All right, ladies and gents, drum roll, please. Drum roll. Drum roll. All right, so Kim and I decided that we wanted to go out. Well, not, not go out. Come in with we a bang. We wanted to go bang. out with a bang. No, we're going to come in with a fucking bang. We're not and going we're gonna out. we're going to leave with an explosion. That's what I meant to say. All oh, right. wait, those are the same things. No, it's all good. Okay, so our first episode topic for you today is female warlords. Woo! Before we get into this, though, I want to clear the air. One, this is more of a comedy podcast. Kim and I are going to be drinking throughout. I actually did a little bit of pre-gaming. Just, <laughs> you know, I'm a business owner now. You know, I yeah. had to celebrate. So I did a little We're pre-gaming. We're business partners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Business partners pre-game. That's true. Like, if you want to have a good business, you must like, pre- involve yourselves in the pre-game together. Y'all seen Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, we know how it goes. We know the drill. So, saying that, Kim, what is your drink of choice for today? My drink of choice is a barefoot rosé. And I want to give a shout out to my brother's girlfriend for giving me this. Because she didn't like it. We appreciate the free drinks. Yes, Yes, free. And I wouldn't really recommend it either. But (laughs) everything else by Barefoot's good. And you know what? Sponsor us, Barefoot. We love you. We love you anyways. All right. Um, So I would say that my drink of choice today (laughs) is the $3 (laughs) wine from Aldi's. It's called Winking Owl. Your girl is buzzing on a budget. Um, So this is Winking Owl. California Cabernet Sauvignon, which I just learned how to pronounce about 20 minutes ago. Cabernet Sauvignon? Cabernet Sauvignon. I took French class. Shout out you, Miss Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. Before today, I literally was like, Cabernet Sauvignon. Sauvignon. Um, So this was $3. Can't complain. Pretty good. Sponsor as Aldi. It (laughs) says that it pairs well with pasta, roast beef, and steak. We love a well-rounded bitch, so. Whoa. I (laughs) also took a couple shots of Crown Royal Apple. Whoa. Before this. So, so. I told you I'm a business owner. I'm going with Wall Street. Anyways. That's what they do. They don't tell you people this stuff, but that's what they do. Theme for today is Warlords. In particular, female warlords, which there's really not that many of. Which yeah. seems kind of surprising, but we'll get to it. Yeah. So, warlord is a, like a, a word that we might be kind of familiar with, right? Like, it seems mm-hmm. like common knowledge. But when Kim was like, Emmy, we should do warlords, I was like, all right, what the frick is a warlord? Like, I get it, <laughs> but like, let's go deep. So sit back, because you're about to learn some shit about warlords. So first and foremost, a warlord is basically an individual that exercises um, control over a specific region. So this control can be um, like through the military, economic means, or politically. Um, And the control is usually maintained by armed forces, 
like militias. Mm-hmm. So the militias are loyal to the warlord rather than to the state. So a lot of times it's the warlord versus the state. Um, some background about warlords. So going into the history and etymology, which is like the study of how words came to be. Um, basically, the word warlord was um, created by Ralph Waldo Emerson, who is an um, American essayist. He wrote some shit that we all had to read in 10th grade English, like, I don't know what it was called, um, like, on nature. Hold on. I'm Googling it. He wrote, whatever, we all had to, f- oh, he led the transcendentalist <laughs> movement. Anyways, uh. so, um, in it, one of his essays, he, um, called English Traits, he wrote this in 1856, so, In this essay, he said, piracy and war gave place to trade, politics, and letters. The warlord to the law lord. The privilege was kept while the means of obtaining it were changed. So, like, I'm an English major, and I was like, what the fuck is this Ralph dude talking (laughs) about, right? So, like, I had to reread it a couple times, and then I, like got the book English Traits, and I wanted to, like, read the context and whatever. So, basically, what I'm thinking that he means by this is that, um, so, before, or let me start over. So, like, privilege was kept and maintained through law, through law and privilege, mm-hmm. basically, and, um, when warlordism came around, it was, m- privilege was maintained and kept through, like, war and violence yes um okay that's basically what i'm thinking that's the stupid dummies version of ralph waldo (laughs) emerson ralph waldo emerson that's a tongue twister anywho that is like a cool name yeah ralph waldo emerson shout out to you ralphie not your average white dude (laughs) all right (laughs) um okay so then So that was about 1856. So then the term warlord was adapted in China as Zhong Fa. Um, I do not speak Chinese. That's probably not how it's pronounced, but it's spelled Zhong Fa. Um, So this term was later described uh, or later used to describe the aftermath of the Chinese Revolution against the, the Qing Dynasty. Aaron? It's the Qing Dynasty, right? <laughs> the Qing Dynasty, that's what it's called? Q-U-I-N-G? Yeah. Yeah, the Qing Dynasty, just making sure my local Chinese expert, Aaron. Okay. Um, so the Chinese Revolution was a time in which regional chieftains, or like just big, powerful, like regional politician dudes, um, led their private militia to battle the state and other chieftains for control over... Um, Chinese territory um, mm-hmm. because they didn't they didn't like the dynasty at the time and they were like fuck this I'm a warlord now we yeah gonna fuck you up dude all right so this launched a period that we now call the fucking Chinese warlord era so like China go hard with this warlord shit because they have their whole warlord era so that's mm-hmm. That's dope, I guess. Okay. That is cool. Yeah. There are two... I don't know a lot of Chinese history. Um, me either. 
me either. I feel like but we're about to be lot. learning so there's much. There's a lot because China yeah. has been like it's one of the oldest nations. Like there's some shit mm-hmm. that they fucking did, right? Like they right. out there doing that. They made fireworks. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Don't quote I'm us. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Don't quote but us. You know what? Like I said, not everything we say is accurate. Google it. Okay. So there are two types of warlords. There are the cooperative warlords who are basically um, paid off or like supported by the political framework. So the government Mm -hmm. um, to maintain control over certain regions. Um, So they're at least acting with consent or in accord with the current regime or government of Mm -hmm. their nation. Um, which is kind of what my lady did in a way. There's also the ungoverned warlord, which I guess would be like the more commonly thought of type of warlord who is operating independently and actively fighting against, um, the government. They're viewed as rebellious or a strategic competitor of, um, the state. So cooperative and ungoverned. Those are the two types of warlords. So, basically, there's a lot of examples in history of warlordism. Um, I guess one big type of warlordism that we commonly overlook is European feudalism. So, with, like, the shit with the kings and the knights and the monarchy. There's a lot of theorists and historians that claim that European feudalism is actually a type of warlordism. Um, Right. More of a cooperative one. um, Because, yeah, go ahead. Like, the woman I picked, she's like that. Like, she's kind of royalty and she's a warlord. Yeah, mine too. Okay. So, like, but they're saying that these feudalists are type of warlords because they're be able to exercise a lot of force over a territory with the mm-hmm. use of knights, which could be considered a militia. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So the people and the servants and everyone else all served their leader, the king, the prince, the queen, whatever the fuck, um, who exercised a lot of control over these little territories. So that is considered um, warlordism. Okay. Also, some historical examples of warlordism. We also, we already talked about China. Like, they had a whole ass warlord era. You know that they meant business. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Basically, the modern era of what of warlordism in China started with the revolution um, because everyone hated the Qing dynasty. It was a large-scale rebellion, and there was a lot of warlords feuding with the state and with each other. It was a huge, um, it was a huge time of anarchy in China during this revolution. Um, the this era of warlordism lasted until the. I can't say this. The KMT, the <laughs> Chinese Nationalist Party, the Kuomintang, um, consolidated its rule over China, and they were like, we're fucking over this, like, put an end to this. So they, the KMT mm-hmm. ended up putting an end to the warlord era in about uh, the 30s-ish. Um, 
Wait, no. Anyways, that's that. Okay. Okay. Then historical Mongolia, the Mongol Empire, which is what, like, a long-ass time ago, like, the 13th century, Mm -hmm. um, that was a time of warlordism because um, there was a lot of different rulers. There was no, like, known one ruler. So they were all just, like, competing with each other. Um, they it lacked definitive borders, and it Who was, was cons- that messed what? up. Oh, warlord! It, it was um, Genghis Khan. Yes, yeah. My from, brother's obsessed with him. Yeah, he did and, a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah, um, they were well, considered roving warlords, roving bandits. Um, so they were just like walking around Mongolia, like, hey, I kill you. Hey, I take your shit. Hey, I yeah, bring your house down. Yeah, they were too cocky. Yeah, they were in it. Genghis Khan was like, hey, I'm going to fuck you up, son. So <laughs> he, he's the worst. You know, yeah, he's not cool. But we're not talking about him. Yeah, boo, man. Just <laughs> boo. kidding. <laughs> we know too much about you, Genghis Khan. But never forget. All right, never next. forget. There's also a lot of examples of warlordism in con- the contemporary world. Um, this is often marked by the collapse of an empire. So, saying that, there's a lot of warlord states concentrated in former European colonia- colonies of Africa and then former Soviet republics of Eurasia because they it was, you know, the collapse of an empire there. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, current warlordism, there's a lot of shit going on in Afghanistan um, where there are warlords. They are considered cooperative warlords because... Um, the government is like kind of like the warlords are kind of blackmailing slash threatening the government. So they have their militias and they've established control and they have this monopoly of violence within their territory. And then um, then they go to the, the actual leaders and the central government with a challenge like, hey, I got all these people backing me up. Hey, like I have all this power. What you going to do with it? Um, right. So then the government's put in the put in, a, like, they're kind of a scared position where they need to rent loyalty from the warlord in order to gain peace in that region. Yeah. Um, so I guess you could say it's cooperative because eventually, in a lot of cases, the state warlord bargaining um, ends up in, like, political mutualism, I guess, where, like, the warlord gets himself so much power that he becomes, like, legitimate. Like, he becomes, like, a governor or something. Right. But, yeah, so that is what warlordism, basically just some powerful people doing powerful shit. Some, I guess, are, um, not I guess, but some are cooperative, some are ungoverned. Mm -hmm. It it just depends on your viewpoint on the things. Now, I guess I would like to say that maybe not all are, like, awful people. Like, I would say that my lady... Mine's awesome. I would say my lady is more of a badass bitch, so maybe it's like a female right. thing. Mine like is we too. all females. It's the women. Yeah, females are doing shit. Like 
whatevs. The men always have to like go too hard, like they rape take and it shit. too far. Yeah, yeah, they that. take it too far. Ugh, they take it too damn far. Like just <laughs> check yourself. <laughs> okay, so let's do some honorable honorable mentions yeah. before. So, Kim and I each only chose one female warlord to talk about this episode. So some people had to be cut. Um, But we would like to shout these ladies out because they are cool nonetheless. So let's hear it, Kim. Okay. So Zenobia was the ruler of the Palmarine Empire that is what is now Syria. So she was a warlord. Some special shout outs. <laughs> special shout out to my main bitch, Joan of Arc. You is fucking crazy. You might yeah, not yeah. be considered a warlord, but whatevs. Um, so basically, Joan was like living in France and was like, I see angels. I was visited <laughs> by Archangel Michael and he told me to join the, the revolution. Uh, the mm-hmm. Hundred Years War, whatever against the English uh, whatever so she like chopped off her hair and like went to battle like Joan Joan style she got that bowl cut son and um you know she did her thing in the war <laughs> but then they fucking tried her and burned her at the stake for being a cross dresser fucking france they didn't burn her for like war crimes or whatever the fuck they burned her because she had to dress up as a male in order yeah to be a soldier i mean they that was the, the man's job like she she was visited kinda, by an angel that's just like, ridiculous the angel told her to fucking do it like if angels yeah. tell you to do something you better go and do it that i see i've never learned about her and now I just need to learn more. I'm mad now. Yeah, she's got some shit. She was on trial for heresy. Um, but then, like, 500-ish years later, um, one of the popes declared her a saint. So now she is a saint. Way to backtrack, Lovely. Pope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which pope? Um, pope Benedict the fifteenth declared her a saint. More than 460 years after they burned her at the stake. So I guess That's... Benedict, like, you fine. Like, you didn't actually do it. But, like, still, guilty by association. Yeah. Never yeah. forget Joan. Free Joan. All right. Special shout out <laughs> to my main bitch, Mulan. Brennan's taking pictures of me. Good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before we start our stories, we have to talk about this. Okay, this just happened days ago. Katie Bowman, I hope that's how you say her name. I'm sure it is. She we designed, love you, Katie. Well, we love you, Katie. She th- she didn't design this days ago. Like, this has been in the making for a while. But they just took their first real picture of a black hole. And she designed the algorithm that made the image possible. Yay, yay. So, Katie, you're killing it. We love you. Keep doing you, boo. Yes. <laughs> she led that NASA shit. She was in charge. She was large and in charge. In fact, she's young. 
Wait. She smart, she's 29. She's a smart little homie. Okay. She's almost 30, but That's still, young. I, We're in our 20s. I mean, she's in her 20s. What yeah, are we doing? For being a scientist, I think that's pretty young to help find the black holes. And she literally is, like, leading a, a, a little troop in NASA. <gasps> is Katie Bowman a warlord? A NASA warlord? She's basically, like, a warlord. Like, when Star Wars happens, like, she's going to be in the history books. Oh, and they're sure. going to be like, she's well, out there, Princess Leia, the shit out of this place. Okay, so time to talk about my female warrior. Warlord. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, it's the wine. She's a warlord. <laughs> Blame but she's it on a warrior. The drink. She's both. So, my female warlord is Amina of the Hausa Kingdom. Oh, she. Alrighty, so a lot of the information on Queen Amina is kind of sketchy because it's very far back in the past and historians argue over a lot of things. Um, Foreign visitors who traveled to Africa, which is where she lived, during the 18th and 19th centuries, they collected some historical accounts of those times, but it's still a bit confusing. And other people gathered information just from oral traditions of descendants of her people. So, like, her people are, are like, well, it's this, and historians are like, well, yeah, but it's this. And Fucking historians. The, yeah, the information just kind of vague. Well, it's not... Yeah, it is. So, the first thing that they're arguing over is when she reigned. So she reigned between the 15th century or the 16th century, but it's one of those eras. So, all right. So Amina lived in a city called Zazao. Oh, it's a city-state. Sorry. And (laughs) some say city-state, some say province, um, but a city-state's like a country in its own. They're huge. And Zazao lived in the northern belt of present-day Nigeria. So during Amina's period, it was not Nigeria yet. Like, everything was still shape-shifting and forming. Ah. So. They're going through, you know, that puberty. <laughs> yeah, they were puberty going through. of countries. Geographic puberty. Would that no, be the will. phrase? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so Amina was Hausa, which is the largest ethnic group in Africa. And Zazao was part of the Hausa kingdom. And, or other people call it the Hausa land, which was an alliance of city-states started by the Hausa people. And that's all in the northern belt of Nigeria. And Zazao was one of seven in the kingdom. Amina was born around 1533 in Zaria, which is a place in Zazao. Like I mentioned, the city-states are huge. So her family was incredibly wealthy because they were royalty, and they were trading imported metals, clothes, cola, salt, and horses. Cola? Everything. Uh, yeah, cola. Like I know. Coca-Cola? Had, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> Fire up. That's the thing with history is that you'll hear things from a long time ago and it's like, oh yeah, they had like lasers. 
And it was like 1720. They have lasers. Like, can someone explain what they had then? I'm confused. I was just listening to a podcast on H.H. Holmes, and they were talking about how he was using credit cards. And that was, like, the 1800s. Okay, like, but they had credit then, like, maybe, like, little cards that marked off what they spent in certain stores. Not, like, you think they had, like, the chip reader? Like, that just came out in 2012, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I'm just picturing that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. So, anyways, I mean, his family was very bougie. They doing that shit. So, when she was a child, her grandfather was king of Zizou, and she would go to work with him and attend political meetings. So she was very involved with the kingdom starting from the beginning. Mm. And eventually her father inherited the throne by the time she was 16 years old. Okay, so another thing that is argued about is that her mom or her dad were the king or the queen, and... They don't know. Some say it was the mom. Some say it was the dad. I'm saying why not it's the both? Dad. Oh, yeah, like that but, taco commercial. But we hope it was her mom. Mm. Don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> so, he ruled the territory of Zazao pretty much peacefully, and Zazao was a wealthy place that was doing great. The people had good fishing, hunting, agriculture, and blacksmithing skills, so they were thriving. And then her father died in 1566, and her younger brother, Karam, took the crown. Isn't that so bullshit? Like, she went to the meetings and everything, and then fucking Karam got the crown? (laughs) Yeah, like, she's the oldest of three children, and her middle child brother got the throne. Fucking patriarchy. Patriarchy! (laughs) (laughs) So... Where was I? Karam. Fucking Karam. Oh, so their youngest sister, her name was Zaria. And she's named after the capital. Yeah, I was going to say, they named her. My name is now America. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is still a city in Nigeria today. It's called Zaria. Mm. So she fled the region and little is known about her. So while Karam... <laughs> Gone girl. While Karama ruled, Amina took time to train in the Zazao military. She specialized in cavalry. Cavalry. Yeah. Cavalry. Cavalry. And can we just t- take a second to talk about the cavalry? Go. I love the cavalry. If I could be in any like branch or whatever of a military, I'm joining the cavalry. Because they're they were sword horses. fighting people, right? Yeah, and they were on horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just love them. Okay. Kim, you're bold. I know that is. You want to be but, up in there? But, so does Zarya. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Zarya. <laughs> so, where Wait, was, was it? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Wait, what? Hmm? Okay. Anyways. So she was so badass in the cavalry that they, like, gave her title to be leader of the branch. And she was heavily respected because she was royalty and no woman was fighting. And So she, she didn't even had... have to cross-dress. No. 
Like, Fuck. if you see pictures of her, she's just wearing these beautiful kind of dresses and, like, But she wasn't, like, her boobs weren't, like, popping out. Like, she wasn't, no. like, she wasn't Wonder Woman in it. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's ridiculous. But I'm that's just saying no one can fight crime in that shit. You, we all know. So, yeah. Let's be realistic. God damn. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> she gained a lot more wealth and education and skills from just doing the cavalry. So nice. if she could get any richer, she did. <laughs> and Karema liked warfare and was interested in expanding the Zazao Empire. So within two years of becoming king, he had organized four major military campaigns and Amina fought in all four. It is said that she took delight in warfare and showed no interest in marrying in one of her many suitors. Mm. Wait, marrying any of her many suitors? How many suitors? Do we know? 200,000. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> like, she did not give a shit. She was like, fuck you, fuck you. I got my horses to attend to. Please move <laughs> along. <laughs> So, after 10 years, her brother died, and um, no one really knows how he died. <laughs> so, mm. I'm sorry, Karama. Then She probably poisoned him. No? Too far? Mm, I feel like that would definitely be in the research. <laughs> <laughs> but it's possible. Let's just say that. All right, it's possible. So... When it came to women in royalty, the men weren't threatened. Like, they were like, okay. And they just gave the power to them. Like, they had a lot of power, which is pretty cool. And um, she, because she had good kinship morals, paid their dues, all that good stuff, like, the men were just like, yeah. Like, when she got the... <laughs> yeah. That's queen. You can be an army, yeah. Like, when her brother died, they were like, for sure, give it to her. Like, give her the throne. They did not hesitate. Huh. They loved her. And that's awesome. I guess you guys so, are right. During and before her reign of Zazao, Zazao was involved in major trading corridors, and these were routes of trade crossing through the Hausa lands, but they were, they were okay. Like, they were good, they were making money, but they could be bigger. And people were just worried over growing competition and threats that were in the trade routes. So three months after assuming power, whoa, my Google Doc just, okay, she led her first military charge, and these campaigns were meant to help clear the trading routes of competitions and for the House of People's safety. She wanted to stretch these routes further across the continent. Another thing Amina wanted was to conquer lands to be vassal status. Have you ever heard of this term? What? Vassal? vassal status. Uh, no Googling. I see you. I'm looking at Google. I see you. Shut up. Vassal. No, it's not going to tell you. It, it took me like hours of research. It's called vassal states. Oh, wait. Vassal states. A vassal state is any state that has a mutual obligation to a superior state or empire. Yes. So she would capture the lands as like part of her kingdom and then give the land to whoever. She chose to watch over, and in return, she would be owed and have the military support and finances of the land. So she, like, would capture these lands and just, like, like here, do all the stuff I don't want to do, but it's kind of my land. That's cool. Right? 
Like, <laughs> whatevs. Like, been there, basically done that. Basically what America does. Basically what, yeah, basically America with everything. Yeah, cool. Got it. She led an army of 20,000 men. Did I say 200,000 earlier? Um, you said that's how many suitors she had. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was her army. That little and, laugh. Kim, wait, let me see your bottle take... of wine. Hold it up. Oh, shit. All right. Pour that down. If anyone's wondering, like, me and Emmy aren't together, we're doing, like, this crazy technological podcasting. She is in Grand Rapids, and I'm in Detroit. Yeah. It's about... We're just doing it. Also, like, when we do get together in two weeks, you guys better watch out. Yeah, y'all better be ready. <laughs> we, you better be ready. Aaron, if you want some of this, come and get it, because it's going quick. Okay, so her and her men took control of several cities, and when she did conquer those cities, they successfully stayed conquered, which is hard to do. Some of these towns were Nupe, Kano, and Katsina, which were part of the Hausa Kingdom, and they stayed uninterrupted for almost her whole life. At one point, she reigned the entire Hausa kingdom. Wow. Okay. No one has ever done that. Wow. <laughs> also, other zones in the Savannah region of West Africa, which is like around that area, she took control of. So every time she took, she, they paid tribute to her and respected her, which does not happen today. <laughs> We don't respect our president. Like, <laughs> Why would you? If, if someone like Justin Trudeau, is that how you say it? Yeah. Came and took us, we're not respecting him. <laughs> All right. I just had to say that. So some of these... Oh, wait, I already said that. <laughs> I'm reading over the same thing. <laughs> Shit, I think I'm peeking. Okay. <laughs> So, her military had good morale, they were highly skilled in metal making, so their armor was strong, and some say she was the person who brought iron helmets and chain mail to the Hausa Kingdom. Wow! That's big. Yes. That is a big deal. That's big. They doing it. This wasn't a period where there were guns in Africa. Like, guns made their introduction in the mid-1800s. Yeah. Armies during this time were using swords, bows, yeah. stabs, and other blunt weapons. So... Amina they and her military won barrels, every single they battle they slashing. entered. They They are. Like, I wonder... I wish there was more information on her. I would love to know the name of her horse. I would love to know her outfit <laughs> choice. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. So... I would love... Okay. This is really cool. She designed strong earthen walls around the cities, and they would wrap <gasps> around the conquered territories, and they were called they're Amina domin walls. It. <gasps> they're domin. <laughs> you can you can go to Nigeria today and see some of them. Let's go. Like the wall is still up. Yeah, some <gasps> walls they took down, but like some they still kept. So it's not all the way around, but like they're like we gotta respect Amina. Like let's yeah. leave a little chunk up, a little yeah. chunk. 
When wow. she did put them up, though, like, people loved them. They gave definition to settlements, prevented uncontrollable sprawls, kept the morality of the people up, and physically secured them during wow. war-ridden times. They gave a lot of protection. And the it's housing markets... Wow, fucking walls. You know, yeah. they're always going to oh, be a big wait. deal. Oh, wait. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Anyways. you know what I'm going for. The fucking wall, like fuck whatevs. Amina, <laughs> you did fine. Donald, you're a little different. Hey, let's keep politics out. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, Donald. So <laughs> it kept. <laughs> it's all. It all comes back to politics. It kind of does, and so we're not trying to keep this podcast about that, but, like, I mean, we're talking about history, so... It comes we'll just, full circle. It really does. It comes so full it's circle. hard not to make these connections. Like, that's what history is. You make connections between then and now and see where you where it gets you. So, fucking walls. So then, like, if you don't like it, don't listen, but also listen. Please, Please, mom. Please, mom. (laughs) So, okay, the markets in Hausa were, like, they were making tons of money, and it just brought a lot of order. Plus, it made the kingdom look prestigious, and it helped politics, tourism, and people praise her. People praise her for it. So, Um, Do that bitch have a statue? Oh, we're getting to that. (laughs) We gotta go. So, she continued doing for doing this for 34 years and the expansion of territories made the house land one of the strongest trading centers she brought unheard of wealth to the land and the trading route spread up into nigeria through central africa northern africa far so she conquered more territory like i said than anyone in northern nigeria before and after her reign and Amina's achievements was the closest that any had come in bringing the reign, now known as Nigeria, under a single authority. Good job, Amina. Proud of you. Good job, Amina. She helped shape a lot of African and, uh, yes. So, back to the whole marriage thing, to conclude. Mm Mm-hmm. She didn't want to marry because she was afraid of losing power, and that sounds kind of lonely, but no. After every battle, she would steal a soldier from the opposing army and temporarily make them her husband. Stop it! Yeah. No! <laughs> yeah. What a power then, move! Wait for it. She would spend one night with them <gasps> and then kill them in the morning. Stop it! Yeah. Like, this is what what made me want to pick. She would literally marry them, fuck them, and then kill them. Like, you know, like, the fuck, marry, kill game? She did all three in the 24-hour fucking time period. (gasps) What a legend. That word, like, she coined the term. Well, she didn't make money off it, but she, like, made that. (laughs) It was because of Amina. Amina. What a I legend. Wish there was more information on that, but I can't. I like what? So okay. Oh, so she okay. would fucking beat this army. Be like, yeah. all right, you're still alive, you kinda cute. I'm kinda <laughs> horny. Come with me. <laughs> yeah. And then she would, you know, do her due diligence yeah. and kill him in the morning. Yes. <laughs> That's what? what made me want to pick her. I was a like, legend. Whoa. 
I oh can't my not God. talk about that. Oh my God. But, dot, dot, dot. Oh God. This eventually, okay, I don't know how true this is. I saw oh. it in like, like two articles. This eventually led to her death as a particular oh. man she slept with escaped one night and Amina became so worried that she took her own life. Oh. Why would she tell him? See, that's the thing. I feel like she probably of gives everything all of her deep, dirty secrets. Like, you know, being a warlord, you probably have a lot of shit, and like, you just want to let you just want to let somebody know. Yeah. So, like, she probably told him too much. She got out, and she's like, "Fuck, <gasps> you know, too much." That. It's just an idea. I didn't think about that. Like, it's probably not what happened, but it, it's like Marilyn Monroe and JFK. Yeah, you know, you know too, too much. much information. Gotta Someone's gotta kill go. you now. Yeah. Yep. Someone's gotta go. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> R.I.P. Amina. <laughs> All right, I'm almost done. Okay. So, in the city of Lagos, or Lagos, Nigeria, stands I think a it's statue. Lagos. Lagos. Okay. I like. Went into a newscast on it to like. I really feel like it depends on what language you speak and how you speak Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So in that town, there's a stands a statue of Amina where she carries a spear on a horse, and she is known as the woman capable as a man. Wow! They fucking. Oh, I don't like that. Why? They had to specifically say that she's a woman that's capable of being a man. Like, yeah, you don't true. have to go out of your way to say that. Like, we know. True. Amina knows. Like, we all fucking know. You don't need to make a whole ass statue about it. You know what? She, no, she needs a statue. She needs but a statue, like, but that caption is wrong. To a man. Yeah. This is why Instagram needs to let you edit your shit. Because sometimes your captions are just no, you not. Mean Twitter. Yeah. I Wait, think they can... let you edit on Instagram. I don't know. This is why you need to be always able, no matter your social media platform, you need to be able to edit your shit. Because, like, sometimes you just get it wrong. That's wrong. Of course That's she's capable true. as a man. You should but... say, Amina, the badass bitch that invented the game, fuck, Mary kill. That's all yeah. you need to say. She's like, yeah, I agree with you. Okay, but did you listen to the Joe Rogan experience where he brought the CEO of Twitter on there? No. Well, he asked the guy, the CEO of Twitter, like, why can't you edit your tweets? And I guess he was saying he wants it to be like a real-life conversation. Well, last time (laughs) I checked, CEOs are relevant to the whole process. They're just collecting the money but doing none of the work. We see you, Mark. We see you. Mark is innocent. We see you, Jeff. Mark is innocent. Jeff? Bezos. Bezos? Amazon. Oh, I need to know (laughs) this stuff. I need to know this. (laughs) It's scary that we don't know the people that rule our lives, essentially. Um, Jeff Bezos is low-key ruling the world, so you should probably get to know him. I really need to research basis, Like me, I am. All right. So that's Amina. Thank you. Namaste, Kim. All right. 
Are you guys ready to learn about Olive Yang? Olive Yang? Olive Yang. That's the coolest name I've ever heard. Right? All right, let me let it be known that at this point in my life, um, I've drank a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon. So I'm going to try my best. Okay. okay. No one feels like you're in the wrong. Thank you. All right, so Olive Yang was actually born Yang Kayen Hisu. Again, I... The only language I speak is English, and I failed French class in the ninth grade, so bear with me. Um, she was born Yang Kayin Hisu in 1927 in Burma, which is what we now consider uh, modern-day Myanmar. So, in 1927, she was born into British Burma, so it was one of those, like, countries controlled by Britain, like, what else is new? Um, so she was born to a chieftain, which I talked a lot about in the the intro to warlordism. A chieftain is just like a guy that has a lot of control over a region. So her dad was a chieftain of, um, the Shan state of Kokang in Burma. So mm-hmm. she was, um, kind of considered royalty. She wasn't a yeah. princess per se, but she had enough royalty to you know she was up there um but she was kind of like the black swan of the family like she had a lot of siblings she was um what we might say like the tomboy of the family she was never really into her role as the princess i guess Mm -hmm. um she fled her ancestral home um when japan invaded um burma and during World War II. Um, but essentially, she is a Burmese princess turned opium dealer turned cross-dressing warlord. She had a Whoa. lot she had a lot of shit going for her, all right? So, like I said, she was kind of like the black swan of her family. She was the outcast. She was not fitting into the roles that um, were expected of her. She was tomboy. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, this next word is definitely us. Wait, wait. I don't fit in the roles. In my family, I don't fit in. Is it because you're adopted? (laughs) No. It's because I'm ridiculous. I'm the weird weird one. But, yeah. yeah. Aren't we all? Okay, but the difference is then, though, like... You were expected to be a certain way, especially when you're that prestige, you know, like this is you're born into royalty. This is what you're. Ooh, I knocked my mic. (laughs) This is what you're meant to act like. This is what you're supposed to look like. And Olive is just like, you know what? Fuck you. So wait, what? Okay. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, whatever. I'm Olive. Screw you guys. I do my own thing cool so um in burma modern day Nyanmar, um she went to a elite christian academy for like elementary school like she's fucking rich she's going to private school but 
She brought a Glock to school. She brought uh-huh. a revolver to elementary school. And this was the first time that they what? were like, all right, I'll live up to some shit. Like, I'll do one They're something. They were like, she, she's it. She's the warlord. Yeah, she's the one. <laughs> no, they were like, get this bitch out of here. Yeah. So she, like, was ostracized. Like, they were like, we don't know what to do about her. Um. So by the time... That she was, like, 16-ish. Her parents were on their deathbeds, R.I.P. Olive's parents. But they were like, all right, the only way that we can fix Olive is through a man. Because fucking patriarchy. Oh, of course. Right? Of so they're course. like, all right, the only way that My Olive family. can be... <laughs> Shut up. Your mom is going to listen to this. I love you, mommy. (laughs) Okay. So they're like, the only way that Olive can be hashtag normal is if we get her husband. So basically her parents on their deathbed were like, Olive, you need to marry your cousin. Because he's royalty, like he's in the family. Like you just need to get married and then you'll calm down. Like you'll start being normal. Um, so they forced her into an arranged marriage with her, um, younger cousin. And she was expected to produce an heir, another chieftain that was going to rule the land since her father was dying. Um, and Olive was like, "Uh uh-uh. So Olive was like, fuck you guys, I do my own thing. So... It is said that Olive, well, Olive did marry the dude, but she was really resentful and not into it. And it is um, reported that she actually threw a pot of urine at her husband, a.k.a. cousin, when he tried to consummate their marriage. So basically, they got married. He tried to have (laughs) sex with her, and she threw a urine pot at him and was like, try again. (laughs) Like, not today. Oh, my God. She literally threw a pot of piss at him. Um, Wait, what's that movie with um, Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey? What? It's like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. 10 Days, yeah. (laughs) I've actually never seen that movie. That wasn't, oh, well, that's the plot. Like, she's trying to get rid of him. A pot of piss at him? Basically. Been there. She does everything to get rid of him. Does it work? Kinda. You need to watch it. It's so All good. Right, I will do. I'm a couple years behind. Okay. So Olive's sister Judy um, was interviewed, and she said that the husband was like literally scared of her. Um, she Olive would, had a reputation for really harsh temper, and just always having a gun on her hip. So, like, people were fucking scared of her. Like, she was mean and rude, and she always had a gun. (laughs) So, people were like, ah! Um, Like, she didn't want to be married to him. Yeah. I When I went on the vlog to, like, put my images up, I kept scrolling past this picture of Olive (gasps) when she's, like, old. Yes! The one where she's, like, holding the cig. 
Yeah, she's a so, badass. Everyone, look at her blog. Yeah, go to our blog after this. Com. Olive yeah. Yang. Like, literally, I am saying that Olive Yang is a badass bitch, but you will not know until you see this picture of her. Yeah, every time you've been talking about her, I just keep thinking of that picture. She does her own thing. She, like, goes... She lives by her own rules. Yes, queen. Like, that was on her deathbed. Like, that was the last photo ever taken of her. And she's just like... Really? Fuck the police. Yeah. Oh, my God. She died in 2017. Really? Yes. So, she lived a long and fruitful life. Um, Yeah, she unfortunately passed away a couple years ago because of a stroke. But... Well, that means she lived peacefully after this. Kind of. Stuff. (laughs) After this shit. Like, it gets better. Yeah. Okay. So, basically, she didn't want to be a wife. She didn't want to be a mom. She definitely didn't want to be married to her fucking cousin. Also, um, she was gay. Like, it's hard to... She definitely gave those vibes. Right. Like, it's hard to put a role on her. Like, a lot of people want to say that... Olive Yang was transgender or a cross-dresser or a lesbian, but in 19, then, you know, in 1927, when she was born in Burma, their language didn't have the capacity for these things. It wasn't a thing. Like, they didn't have the language to understand her identity. So it's not right for me to be like, Olive Yang was a lesbian, she was a transgender, because... She no. never, she never said that she was, cause, you know. So yeah, um, it's it just w- suspected. But she did have um, intimate relations with women, okay. so we can say that she was interested in women at the very least. And she dressed as a male for the mo- majority of her life, but she never considered herself transgender or anything of the other things. Um, but. She was like, I don't want to marry my cousin. For the most part, I like women. So screw you. I'm going to throw my pee on you. Like what wow. a normal, rational person would do. Um, so basically, eventually, I'm sure how this eventually happened. I hope it was consensual, but she got pregnant with her husband, a.k.a. cousin. Um, but then, um, in her 20s, she had got an invitation to join the Chinese Nationalist Party. So the KMT that I was talking about mm-hmm. in the beginning. She had an invitation to become a leader for them. So she was going to got an invitation to lead an army of 300 men. And it was a temptation that she couldn't resist. She was in a marriage that she wanted to get out of. You know, she loved her Glocks. So out of one might say out of desperation she did this or you know out of this is what she wanted to do so she left her husband and not yeah she left her husband while pregnant to join the chinese nationalist party right um i guess it's important to say that the reason that her family was so prominent and became so viewed as royalty in Burma is because they held um, authority over a lot of opium. Yeah. So a lot of the opium-rich hills in modern-day Niamnar belonged to this family. Um, but 
she wanted to fight for the cause. Like, she joined the Chinese Nationalist Party. So, um, in an interview, she was... <laughs> she was said to have gotten drunk with a lot of her... She had 300 men that she was leading at first. So, she immediately got hired into being a leader of 300 men. Upon the trek to... Um, I don't know, her post, I would say, she was supposedly said to have kidnapped drunk police officers who tried to um, get bribes from this caravan. So she kidnapped them. She took them all the way to her militia's headquarters and tied them up. And then she later characterized this incident as a misunderstanding. (laughs) She was drunk, or not drunk, she was pregnant. Wait, oh my (laughs) god, she was pregnant. Yeah, she was pregnant. Like, I know she was pregnant, but I, like, stopped thinking about it with all this chaos. Mm. What Mm -hmm. a baddie. She was indeed a baddie, you might say. Um, So this was, like, a four-day-long journey from her home to the outposts on the Chinese border accompanied by her 300 men that she was leading and all of her mules. I would love to know her mules' names. Mule. <laughs> mules. Um, let's see. Yeah, so the Chinese Nationalist Party was all for... or It was basically all anti-communism. They were like, fuck Mao Zedong. We gonna fight you. Mm, that's we good, hate I communism. Guess. We want to be a democracy. Um, so she left. Eventually she gave birth. And then I don't know what she did with the son, but she left the son somewhere. I don't know if the son was Aww. given. She gave birth and it was a boy. Like, I'm not sure if she gave the son back to the husband or whatever. But the um, the son was interviewed at some point saying that, like, he, I guess, understood he didn't have any resentment. So I think That's that at good. some point later in Olive's life, um, she they was reconnected. Busy. Like she, she was in a, she was just trying to be her and yeah, y- you can't Which, blame her for wanting to do her. Yeah. We all want to do us anyway. So she <laughs> was not a family gal. She was a warlord gal. Right. Um, so eventually she was just leading a lot of, Men uh, in the KMT. There's um, a picture on our blog um, showing her front and center with a cig hanging out of her mouth with a bunch yes. of men hanging around her. That is her crew. Like she was literally the leader. And people have been interviewed. Her men have been interviewed saying we never once considered her weaker than us for her gender. Like she was our boss. Like she got this going on. Um. But because the KMT um, was so anti-communist, here comes the fun stuff, ladies and gents. The American government led under... Yeah, here we fucking go, ladies. Who was the fucking... Okay, so this was Operation Paper. Don't quote me, but I think it was... Truman. Hold on. I gotta Google this shit. President Truman. During 
the 1950s. It was Truman. Fucking Truman. So read by Truman, maybe started by FDR, but I'm pretty sure it was Truman. Remember, this is history for dummies. Wait, what was that again? No, I'm still going. Like, I'm not done talking about it. Okay. So, (laughs) basically, America, it was Truman. This is America. Was like, you know what? We also hate communism so we're gonna back you we're gonna give you money so truman the american government was funding olive yang and the kmt low-key like this was not like well known um this is called operation paper they were dropping in weapons to these secret militias like the ones that olive yang were um heading so they were this giving them money. This is Cold War time, for sure. It was like the Cold War, yeah. Yeah, it, it was is. the Cold War. So they were secretly the backing them, war. like you know what? These people have us in the long run, yeah. so we're low key gonna help them out yeah. now, just to back up ourselves. Mm-hmm, um, they did that, yeah, yeah. And it was not well known, like it was a secret thing. So they were dropping in, they were low key funding the opium trafficking in the Golden um. Triangle. Which, um, where Alving is from a place called the Golden Triangle, which is where the borders of Thailand, Laos, and modern-day Myanmar meet. Um, so that's the Golden Triangle, and low-key America was like, we got you. You got our weapons, you got our money, we don't care, like, give us some of your opium. We love getting high, even <laughs> though we have this war on drugs. <gasps> but since you hate communism like we do... Here's billions of dollars. I don't so know. actually, like how? No, I know. This but was, like, come on, Truman. And you know who it was? It was the CIA that was of backing them up. Was. This was when the CIA was first being started. This was like one of their first things that they've done. Of course, they're fucking it was. shady, right? Yeah. Oh, I, like, went in on this operation paper, and I, like, got a bunch of books on them and shit, and now I'm just, like, too mad. far gone to, like, <laughs> talk mad, about mad. it. I was mad. And then, like, please, listeners, do not confuse operation paper with operation paper clip, which I also <laughs> know a decent amount about, which is, like, Whoa. also during World War II when we, there, there's a lot of fucking shady-ass shit going on, um with nazis and stuff that's a whole different episode but there's operation paper which we're talking about now and the other one's operation paper clip which there's a whole book about which is really good anywho we supported olive yank via guns and weapons and money to fight for the kmt um she was anti-communist we were anti-communist cool so Olive Yang was just doing shit. She was like collecting taxes for her opium hills and just fighting people and doing all this stuff. Um, she was described to always have at least one pistol at her hip. <laughs> so and cute. A thousand people under her command at her peak. Um um, the trade routes that Yang pioneered and governed would eventually become the world's most productive opium-growing region. She was just 
doing her thing. Like, so she was protecting her country in a way, growing opium. Eventually, though, she did get arrested. Uh, and a lot of the time we she were was arrested. For her. She was arrested a couple of times, actually. And then she got out a couple of times. But for over six years, she was arrested and confided in Yangon's prison in solitary confinement, in which it is reported she was tortured and sexually abused by the Chinese government. Of course. Um... After she got out of jail for the last time, she was homeless and broke and was kind of couch surfing. Wow. Yeah. So she went from the top to the bottom because jail does that to you. Um, In 1989, though, um, because of her well-connected status amongst drug-financed militias and armies. Like, she had the connects, basically. Um, She was recruited by the spy chief of the country and her former protege to be a peace negotiator for the government. So this was a time in Burma where there was a lot of civil war shit going on. And they thought that Olive Yang knew a lot of shit and they could help mm-hmm. them out. So she had the after she got out of prison, she became a peace negotiator for her government. Um, so in that way, she, well, from the beginning, she was, I guess you would say, obviously a warlord, but then she became more cooperative. Um, yeah. Trying to help out. She learned her lessons. You could say that. Um, But she did not live long enough to see the end of the civil war in the Amnar, which is unfortunately still a very prominent thing that's going on. Really? Um, Yes. But her lifelong struggle to conform to society's female gender norms earned her, like, a lot of bad rep, I guess. Okay. Like, by the end of the civil war... They gave her, like, names like Hairy Legs, and, like, people were just describing her as bisexual, even though she never confirmed herself being that. But later in life, however, she did ask to be called Uncle Olive. Uncle More of, like... yeah. Yeah. So, like, it could be confirmed that she indeed was transgender, or could be... But we can't say that because she never identified as such um so she died in 2017 because of complications from a stroke she you know has a long-lasting legacy like Mm -hmm. the people that she commanded like all, all of them that have been um reported and not reported interviewed and then reported loved her yeah. She was doing shit. She was doing the damn thing. Um, yeah. She was known to have a really funny love life, I guess. Like, she uh, fell in love with most of her brother's love interests and would try to swindle them <laughs> towards her. She did have a relationship with a really, really famous 
beauty queen. No, an actress. Her name is Wawa Winshui. Mm-hmm. Um, she courted her, and like they, and Wawa Shui, while Olive was in jail, lived in her house and all this stuff, and she was in love with her. And then Wawa Shui, like later, completely denied that they were ever a thing. Wow, and then, shady. There but was like that's, a reported that's, love triangle yeah. between Olive Yang and her brother Kenneth Yang and a beauty Poor queen Kenneth. named Louisa Benson. Whole ass love triangle. <laughs> um, so she just fell in love with the wrong with the wrong people at yeah. the wrong times. I mean, but it's like her sister in law. Is it not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but she was doing the damn thing. Like she was controlling people. Right. I don't condone like being violent for no reason at all by like carrying weapons like that at a young age and the opioid crisis but she like wasn't afraid to be like, who she was in it wasn't China. an opioid crisis because we were low-key funding it the entire yeah. time i mean we're in the wrong too you guys if i die tonight you know why it's because i outed the u.s government I'm scared. We funded I'm scared it. about this whole podcast. We funded it. Hardcore. All right. So, obviously, we know a lot about female warlords. And hopefully <laughs> and people you, are still listening. And now you do, too. Yeah. Lucky for you. Again, this is not you know, verbatim history. Like, this is us researching it and interpreting it for you guys in a fun and kind of, like, history for dummies way. Yeah. I had fun. I hope you had fun. fun. Definitely. All right, so be sure to check out our website at lushladiespods.com. Click on the blog and then see images and other content of stuff that we were talking about. Um, about these two badass women today. We do cite our sources because we don't want to be sued and we don't want to die um, via Wikipedia suing. So you can personally research um, these topics ourselves via the content and the links that we provide you. If you have any episode suggestions or would like to reach out to one of us, email us at lushladiespod at yes. gmail.com. Also, please check out our social media pages. We have an Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. They're all at Lush Ladies Pod. Again, we are really funny. We hope kinda. that you want to listen to us. Kind of. We think we're we funny. We really hope that you want to listen to us next week. We tried yeah. our best. Also, shout out to Brennan, Kim's yes. boyfriend, and Aaron, my boyfriend. Very and helpful. And Tim, my dad, for helping us figure out how the fuck to start a podcast. Yes. Thank you right. for listening. Catch you on our next episode. Bye. Yes, catch us in. Bye. Bye.